0: We've got nothing to lose. We're all in. The time is ours, and we're changing. Amazed, surprised, transformed with no compromise. This is the Game Changing Podcast, where people deserve to win. Where magic moments shape our destiny. And where insights from the world's greatest performers in business, sports, and personal development bring you to the edge, and change your game. Please welcome your host, Anissa Acker.
1: OMG, so here's the best thing, David, that I know about you, is I thought that I was like this grand servant and really put a lot of people first other than me, and dude... (laughs) You are seriously a bigger servant than me. You know, even in your business, you bring people together. You, you take it to that next level. And not only do you do it by bringing a community of people together, you do it by sharing their stories because you have this ability to freaking craft words like nobody I know. Hence, again, why you're writing my book called Born to Rise. And you are a word genius, like you have written a book about. So, you know, without further ado, please share, you know, uh, open-ended about you personally, not professionally, because we are going to get there because we work together, but share a little bit about you personally, you know, for the audience to hear and listen and learn.
2: Well, you started off with saying, I thought I was, and I thought I was a servant leader. And I thought, you thought, right, you are, you do. So we're we're in good company, and I think that's what kind of draw, drew us to each other, is that um, making money is good, making money is important. You know, we like a way to keep score, we're kind of competitive, um, you know, like we like to measure results, uh-huh. but um, that's not really why we're in it. You know, we're in it to, to help people, and I've, um, I've been impressed with, you know, right from day one, like, David, I want to give people a voice. I want to give the voiceless a voice, right? You know, I want to, you know, get people and get their stories out. And so I'm flattered that you would, um, you know, bring me on to let me share a little bit about my story. Um, I, won't, I won't go back to the day I was born. Oh, what the heck, I'll go back to the day I was born. I was born in Colleen, Texas, Fort Hood, Texas. <laughs> I was born in an army hospital um you might not know that about me um i actually was uh lived in um back what was in west germany okay for for those young whippersnappers they might not know this but it used to be east germany and west germany there's this little thing called the berlin wall but um you know my father was in the military we were stationed there for a little while i don't remember any of it but um you know that's kind of what the first few years of my life look like but probably the things that are more important about my personal life and kind of growing up is that you know, I played a lot of sports, but I also did drama, I did speech, I did debate, and um, there was definitely some things I wasn't good at, but uh, there were some other things I was good at, and I bring that up because it's really important for us to, re- to recognize what our talents are, and I don't know about you, Anissa, but one of the things that drives me crazy with my kids is they try something once and they're like, Yeah, that didn't work. I'm no good at it. It's like, oh, you tried it once, you're not good at it. Well, then, geez, you know, never do that ever again. It's like, guys, it takes practice, right? It takes practice. And, um, you know, that's kind of the way I was growing up. Like, I I love to play basketball. I love to play soccer. Like, I could go out and just practice and play by myself. I could play volleyball. You know, I could play sports I was bad at. It was just, it was just fun. And, um, you know it kind of just taught me things like hard work you know i i owe a lot to my parents but probably the greatest thing that they taught me was just hard work which i think is something else that we have in common you know my parents were never um hey you can't do this you can't do that it was always like hey if you're willing to work for it you know it's possible and um i got to a point where um you know i was the oldest of six i had five younger sisters no brothers and my parents you know we got to the point where 11, 12 years old, it was like, hey, um, it's time for you to start buying your own school clothes. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, but I didn't, I didn't know that that's not something that normally happens. It's just like, hey, you, you can do that. You're good. You know, you're good at mowing lawns and doing things and, you know, bike routes. So, you know, you should start, you know, buying your own school clothes. So, at a very early age, you know, I was working and my parents supported working and, I tell people I was born with a delusional amount of confidence, right? Which just means, you know, I just, I was such a, you know, I was idiotic in a confident way. Like, I I just thought anything was possible because, you know, that's what my parents said. Like, yeah, it's possible, you could do that. You know, dad, can I can I play in the NBA someday? Well, you know, if you worked hard enough, who knows? And just like, you know, I'm five foot nine, you know, it's like I'm 135 pounds in high school. <laughs> it's like, eh, probably not. But my parents are like, hey, you never know. You work hard, you never know. When I was 14, my first official W-2 job, you'll probably find this interesting, Issa. I was a housekeeper. My, uh, my uncle was a like a groundskeeper and maintenance man at a uh, Best Western Hotel in Ashland, Oregon. And I got a summer job at 14 years old, you know, where a lot of friends were out playing and having fun and doing whatever. I was cleaning hotel rooms, right. And I don't know if you've ever cleaned hotel rooms before. But, you know, you you come to terms with some things, you know, pretty quickly. Um, You can't get sick easy. You can't uh, be bothered really easily. Um, but, you know, that was that was one of my jobs. So I had paper routes. I did lawn mower type stuff. You know, I would pick fruit um, out of my uh, neighbor's uh, yards and stuff. They would let us and then we would go down to the side of the road and then we would sell the fruit like my me and my younger sister. were only 11 months and 11 days apart, sort of like Irish twins. So we would we would go pick fruit, whatever, and then we'd go down and we'd put up a sign and it'd be like, grapes, you know, and these are grapes that are like probably tart and sour and used for wine. And we're just grabbing them and taking it down and selling people are like, oh, grapes. I'm sure later on they're biting into them going, this isn't a good grape. <laughs> this doesn't taste good. But this is how I grew up, you know, mowing people's lawns and selling fruit and being a housekeeper and doing a paper route and um you know delivering furniture uh you know i was always looking for things to do there was somebody that was um they went to the church that we did and he owned a furniture store and he needed people to deliver furniture and this was in astoria oregon And what you got to know about astoria oregon is that's victorian homes really old homes and so the staircases are kind of thin and narrow and so when you're bringing in furniture it's like You're pulling out windows and pulling them up and you're 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 zigzagging playing tetris up up through you know staircases and things so i just got a lot of experience um at a really young age of working and it was just because if i wanted it i knew i had to go get it and i didn't know really any different and i i love to do it and so that's you know, that's kind of how I grew up and a little bit about my personal life. And I could go on and there was other jobs and things, but I think that's probably a good setup for you.
1: Well, and what I heard in there, David, is, as you know now with running a business, every one of those opportunities helped you build the business that you have today. And actually, with you using Word Genius, your book, Yeah, It really taught you how to work with all walks of life of people because you didn't get stuck in one genre growing up. So you experienced a lot of uh, opportunity to explore because you had no boundaries. You know, your parents literally did the same thing you're saying to your kids right now. It's possible. What are you going to do to get it? You know yeah. it's possible what are you going to do to get it
2: yeah yeah absolutely and I think one of the things that um that you want to do within reason but you you just kind of want to say a lot of yeses you know it's like hey uh you know I, I was I, I got the chance to work at this care center of these you know older people I'm probably 16 years old and it's like hey, we need some work here done. Okay, I, I can do it. like, well, we didn't even tell you what the work is. Okay, well, what is the work? It's like, well, we need our whole kitchen painted. Okay, I can paint your kitchen. You know, I've painted my house. And okay, well, you know, we're busy during the day, so you'll have to come in the middle of the night. Okay, I'll come in the middle of the night. It's like, okay, well, there's a lot of taping and prep. And okay, I'll do it. And well, there's some, some handrails and those will have to be sanded down. Okay, I'll sand it down. You know, so you say yes. And I think that is kind of, the sign of the entrepreneur, right? We're just like, yeah, we'll figure it out. Yeah, you know, do we really know how? Maybe not always, but we'll we'll figure it out, right? We got a delusional amount of confidence, we'll figure it out, let's, let's go do it, let's go get it. And um, I think that that attitude has, um, you know, served me well. And I think that that's uh, what we want to see in people. Like, so when people come to me, and maybe they don't always have the money or maybe they're not always, Um, maybe they don't always look good on paper of being quote unquote, ready for all the great things we can do for them. But I tell you what, I get real excited about an action taker, right? I get real excited about somebody who has the attitude of, Mm. I don't care. I'll figure it out. I don't care. I'll get it done. You know, look at all the things I've done in the past. I may be new to this, but I'm not new to this, you know, let me in. And sometimes, you know, I'll kind of turn people away. I probably shouldn't say this publicly. I, I, sometimes I'll kind of turn people away because not because I don't want to work with them because I want to see if they'll push back and be like no I I know I I want this like no and that's not good like I'll do it I'll do this I'll do that like I'll make things difficult because I want to see who's not scared of hard things right mm-hmm. I think that that's um something really valuable for us all to learn and that is we can do hard things. You can do hard things. You know, if, if you want a good affirmation in the morning, look at yourself you're in the mirror every morning and be like, "I can do hard things." You know, because a lot of times things start to get hard and they start to get complicated, and so we quit. Why well, don't I do that? That's hard. That's complicated. Yeah. Well, if you're going to turn down the hard and complicated things, I don't know if you're going to achieve very much in life. All the best things are going to be a little bit hard. They're going to be a little bit complicated. They're going to take a step into the darkness with a little bit of faith that the light will follow, right? And most of the time it does, and sometimes it doesn't.
1: And when it doesn't, look for what else is going on around there because there's something that you will find. There's something you will see in the dark. And yeah. man, to, to like you said, to say yes yeah. is also why you're so good at showcasing people and sharing their story is because you have said yes so much.
2: Yeah, Yeah, I was, um, I remember a time, uh, I must've been about 21 years old, maybe 22, and um, I was working for a bank, Wells Fargo Bank, and I got a chance at being a loan officer, a mortgage consultant. And um, not only was I young, I looked even younger. Mm. And I basically sold them on why they should give me a shot. And I had some relationship background, some sales background, like electronics, things like that, nothing big. But I had enough to convince them to give me a shot, right? And so, you know, I had done collections and just things that required negotiation and things that just required finance. So I, I convinced them. To, uh, to give me a shot. And I remember probably the first three to six weeks, maybe even six to eight weeks, I made more mistakes than <laughs> I made successes. <laughs> I made I got more things wrong than I got them right. And I remember this woman, <laughs> Susie Van Dyne, and she was so frustrated with me. I don't even think she really wanted me, but the boss hired me and then he, he, she just kind of assigned me to this woman who'd done it forever and just said, Here's David, you know, just teach him. And I don't even think she really wanted me. And she was so frustrated. She was so mad. And one of the tough things about banking and mortgages and real estate is, if you make a mistake, you can literally assign a dollar figure to it, right? It's not like, hey, I didn't give you fries. So here's, you know, whatever. It's like, okay, you just made a mistake and that's a $200,000 loan. So you just made a $200,000 mistake, right? So you could attach numbers to these kinds of things. And the commissions were big and it, you know, it was the biggest thing a bank could ever do was, was a home loan. And so like, when I messed up, and trust me, I messed up, like people are walking around going, well, you just made a $10,000 mistake. You know, oh, you just made a $25,000 mistake. How does that feel? I remember one day I felt so beat up and I felt so small and I, I honestly, I was probably this close to crying, and if anybody had said the wrong thing to me, I, I probably would have started crying, and uh, you know, I'm driving around this old Honda Accord in Arizona. There's no air conditioning, in it. there's so many cracks in the windshield. I have to kind of, you know, kind of go diagonally to kind of see outside of it, and I'm driving around. And I'm trying to learn the business, and I got this, you know, small base, and everything else is commissioned, and you know, I convinced my, you know, my pregnant wife at the time, like, hey, this is a good risk and there's all this pressure, you know, and, and the boss isn't happy and the person training me isn't happy. I just keep messing up. And so I'm sitting in the break room of this bank and Susie's about to come in and I know that I'm in trouble. And she, she comes in and I'm probably like this close to crying and she's just kind of looking at me and she doesn't know what to do or to say and she she knows she has to tell me these things and so she starts to tell me all these things I'm doing wrong and I can see she's starting to kind of like try to give me a way out like maybe this isn't for you and I remember it was just a defining moment in my life because I just looked at her and I'm sure there were tears kind of welling up in my eyes a little bit I just looked at her and I said Susie I am not going to quit you will have to fire me if you don't want me here like this is what I'm going to do I'm all in Trust me, I get the mistakes. And I don't remember all the exact words over that because there's just so much emotion. But the, what I do remember is I told her flat out, I will not quit. You are going to have to fire me. And she did She did fire me. And um, I went on to uh, take on banks. Pretty soon I had nine different banks that reported to me in terms of mortgage and lending. And I went on to win you know, awards. I opened up my own mortgage brokerage. I bought real estate franchises. And I'd love to say you know it all went happily ever after, but you know we continue to learn other lessons. But there are these defining moments in our life. And that was one of my defining moments where if I didn't have the belief that I could do something hard, I would have quit. I would have quit week one, week two, week three. Heck, I might have quit the second or third day. But in my mind, because I had done hard things, because I had proven to myself I could learn new things, and I could be whatever they needed me to be. I could adjust. I could adapt. You know, I could evolve because I had that belief into me. I was able to, in a very pivotal moment, say, "I'm not quitting." You know, you're gonna have to fire me. If you want to fire me, I can't stop you. But I'm not quitting. Like I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna show up tomorrow, and I'm gonna show up the next day, and I'm just gonna keep doing everything I can. You know, I think, that really, I think that really took her back a little bit. And I think she even came around. I think I even kind of won her over a little bit where, you know, I didn't do everything immediately perfect after that. But I think she stopped looking at me as, you know, is this going to work out? Is this an experiment? You know, will he just quit and just turned into, well, he's going to do it no matter what. So I think she even took it up a notch. Like, you know, maybe I should train him even more. Maybe I should even give him more opportunities. You know, maybe I should even invest more into him because he's, he's not going away. So I tell that to you because I hope the people that are listening right now, what are you committed to? Do you believe that you can do hard things? You know, do you have the emotional intelligence that when you're in that moment, you know, you can kind of tell the world, Hey, I'm not quitting. You can fire me. You can, you can, you can shut the door on me, but I'm going to show up tomorrow and I'm going to show up the next day.
1: Yeah. Not, not shit. Right. The fact that, can you imagine, dude, this is why we're, we're teammates is because I don't know another that really when they say they're going to do something, they're all in and you're it. You're all in, whether it be your diet and how you have literally now got a six pack because you decided I'm just going to do it. Okay. Okay. You know what I mean? Rather it be once you work with a client and you get them in front of you, you are willing to lose sleep. You're willing to forego food to make certain you maximize every word inside of their freaking story so that people understand their damn message. Yeah. So that it, people, it becomes a life lesson for another versus a tragedy for another Dude, like, you're on my team, and I can't imagine having another person like write my book for me. Because, well, first off, you're a freaking word genius, and then your your commitment, your value set, is unparalleled. Yeah,
2: unparalleled. Your family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank. Well, thank you for saying that. You know. my parents kind of had the belief, and I'm not saying you have to do this, I'm just, I'm just explaining to you kind of how my parents are, but my parents had the belief, like, they never really talked to us, like, as babies, you know, always growing up, they spoke to us um, with good English, and a a good vocabulary, and and big words, and, and, um, you know, and maybe not always big words, but, like they explained things and they didn't talk. There wasn't like a condescending or patronizing kind of thing. And I I really didn't have any respect for that probably until I had kids, you know, and I, and I realized kind of more of what they did, but because of that, um, that very much contributed to my ability to be able to write and to communicate and to express ideas, you know, to understand the value of a a vocabulary, you know, and how to, word things, you know, what the emotional trigger is, what the feeling phrase is, you know, how to get people's attention, you know, how to engage people and enrich people and enroll people. Um, you know, so, um, you know, that's kind of the background I came from. And so to me, it, it really, it just feels natural. You know, it's not something that I set out to do. It's just something that, you know, I've evolved to be.
1: I don't know about the set out to do. I can't, I'm i going to share a personal thing here, David. Okay. Okay. Set out to do, I recall could be my hallucination that in high school and man, this was freaking genius, genius. Uh, The way to get women was through words, right? Because we love a beautiful, beautifully written leather. So please share like a little bit of that because Man, I was attached the minute I heard that. I go, holy shit, that's brilliant.
2: (laughs) Well, I don't know how brilliant it was, but it definitely gives you some insight to, to, to the evolution for sure. And that is, I am a very creative person. And I think a lot of us are really born creators. And it's kind of, everybody has to sort of find their medium. Like, I wish I was good at music. And I probably could be better at music if I practice, but music doesn't come naturally to me, okay? I play the radio, you know, that's probably about it. You know, I play, I play music, you know, I don't uh, really play an instrument. But one thing that was a creative outlet for me was words. You know, I loved writing short stories. I've always loved movies and TV. Um, For fun, you know, I would, I would write things, you know, and I would write poetry. And I think probably a lot of Teenagers go through the phase. It's kind of how they express themselves, right? And so I, I was definitely one of those people. But because I had a delusional amount of confidence, and because I thought anything was possible, you know, I was that guy that would, you know, and I didn't do it a lot. But there were definitely girls that, you know, I would write these poems, or I'd write these short stories, or like, you know, you're the main person. And for a long time, I would never tell this. But I, I feel like now maybe it maybe it helps somebody so I'm kind of willing to sort of embarrass myself here a little bit just because you know we do have to be a little bit of a risk taker you know I think one of the things that was really odd for me um or that makes it even a crazier story is it wasn't like hey I'm in the ninth grade and there's a ninth grade girl that's in a class and um I've spent a bunch of time with her and I think I like her, so I'm gonna write a poem about her. It's not that. It's like every day at 1115, while going from this period of class to this period of class, I catch the glimpse of a girl for maybe two or three minutes, who's a high school senior in the 12th grade where I'm in the ninth grade and she's like a cheerleader and misses popularity and everything else. And I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm gonna write her a poem, and I'm gonna stick it in her locker. And I'm gonna be a secret admirer. Like this is the level of my delusional amounts of confidence here, right? Oh. So, um, as a matter of fact, I still remember her name, Leah. Maybe that that maybe the other name, the last name will come to. But Leah. So, you know, I'm not only am I like not afraid to go up to bat. Like I'm batting way out of my league here. So, uh, so yes, those those that is a little bit about. Like, I didn't realize how much that said about me back then. But now I look back and I go, well, of course, I'm an entrepreneur. Of course, I'm a business owner. Of course, I'm a risk taker. And, you know, of course, I've written books. You know, of course, I like to help other people write books. You know, of course, I have a passion for the story. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, look, look at how I I grew up. And there and there were some, um, you know, that didn't work out very well. But, you know, there were there were people who, um, you know, that liked that part of me. And um, back then I didn't really know much about the love languages, but if, if your love language is words, then we're, we're going to get along really well Mm -hmm. because I'm all about the words. So, you know, I can, uh, you know, and not even like in a romantic way, I don't make that obviously that's kind of weird, but even just like, if, if you just love the word, like if you love somebody that can teach something and express something and communicate something. You know, if you like spending time, like you like the words and you like other people to like the words, not all of us really know that or understand that. But if you understand the five love languages and things like that, um, there are some of us that we just, that just really speaks to us. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that's one of the ways that um, I've been able to figure out a strength right? We all got to kind of figure out what our strengths are. We can try to improve our weaknesses and we should, but how do we play to our strengths? And one of my strengths is, you know, to be able to communicate, to build a relationship, to remember certain things, to help people um, express themselves, summarize, reword, to help people uh, be heard, be seen, be validated. So many of us, you know, we just, we just want to be respected. We just want to be heard, you know, and we're not all very good at organizing our thoughts and our feelings and that's where you know i can provide value to somebody is because i can sit there and listen to them and hear them and i can internalize that and then i can say that back to them and and they're like yes that's what i'm trying to say yes that's what i'm talking about and so i love that feeling it's very rewarding to me that i can get somebody that doesn't feel like they're gotten you know and i can help someone express themselves that feels like they're not being heard You know, imagine if you can't speak, you know, how frustrating that would be, you know, there are people who are, who are, they can't speak like they're signing and things like that. And until they can sign as little kids, they get mad so easy and they're so frustrated because nobody can understand what they're trying to communicate, they're trying to say, you know, I need this thing, you know, I really need it and we take it for granted. Well, there's a lot of grown adults walking around very frustrated because they don't have the vocabulary. They didn't have the parents that taught them how to communicate or cope. You know, they never got the skills to get in touch with their feelings, you know, and to figure out how to give those those words. And that's one of the things that I like about, you know, exercise and that, and that you know, you're know you really into as well as One of the things you learn when you push yourself working out, and you know what, this is a a belief of mine. So Anissa, maybe you tell me if this is true for you as well. But what I've learned is in the beginning, you think, hey, you got to listen to your body, like your body will kind of tell you. But what I've learned over years and years and years is your body lies to you. Like your body says, you need to stop. You don't need to stop. Your body wants you to stop. Or your body says, you've got to eat this or you've got to eat more. It's like, now your body's lying to you, you know? So there's, there's kind of this, uh, you know, mind over matter, you know, kind of thing, but you, it takes time to kind of learn what you're feeling and to know what that feeling really means. Like, you know, my stomach hurts right now. Is my stomach hurting because I'm hungry? Is my stomach hurting because I actually ate the wrong thing? Is my stomach, like, you know, we have to learn, you know, and that's just like one example, but it's the same thing you know, in business, you know, people will run out of gas metaphorically and they're trying to change the tire or they get a flat tire metaphorically in their business and they're trying to put more gas in the tank. It's like, guys, yes, your car broke down, but you're trying to fix something that isn't the problem. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I get a lot of excitement and passion for helping people understand their feelings, helping people understand what's really wrong and not wrong, and then helping them really fix and work on and give a voice to what really, truly needs to be improved and not the things that don't.
1: Yeah, well, and give a voice. You have with one of your mentors, Jay Conrad Levinson, sold 23 million copies of books. Yeah. Yeah. And if that doesn't give people a voice, you know, that was before, that's even before the internet was like, oh, booming and pow, you know, so it says the power of those words, you know.
2: Yeah, I've, had, I've been very fortunate to have really great mentors. Um, probably one of the best ones, if not the best ones, was Jay Conrad Levinson, who was the uh, creative director at the Leo Burnett Ad Agency and went on to teach in college and to write the guerrilla marketing book. And you're right, that guerrilla marketing series of books, mostly him, but also co-authors like me, you know, between him and those co-authors like myself, yeah, he sold 23 million books in 62 languages around the world. And most of that was done before 2010. You know, most of that was done from about 1990 to probably about 2005. So he wrote the first book in 1984. And interestingly enough, it really wasn't like this instant success. Like it kind of took a little bit of time for it to to, to catch on, to kind of figure out the audience. And there's some things that he did that were very brilliant that were contrary um, to what a lot of experts do, but they're things that I learned from him. And, you know, if we have time, maybe we'll talk a little bit about that, but, um, but yeah, he was a brilliant man for sure. Brilliant man.
1: And when you say learned from him, one takeaway for the people listening, because I know he was one of your big mentors of a tool that he has given you that you still to this day are so grateful and thankful for, because it took you, it was one of your breakthrough aha moments.
0: Yeah
2: give you an example of what? Yeah,
1: one of those examples. Um,
2: Probably the biggest thing is to make complex things simple. Mm -hmm. You know, he had such a brilliant mind for not just words, but to hear things and to know that's very complicated and very complex. How do I make that simple? And, um, you know, I really grew in an appreciation for that. And that's one of the knocks uh, against his original books is people would say, well, it's just, you know, it's, it's, so, it's so basic, but his book, when the Berlin Wall came down and people could become entrepreneurs and have their own business, they got his book because they could understand it. It was mm-hmm. so simple. Same thing in the Dominican Republic, same thing in all these places around the world. As communism fell in so many places in the late 80s and 90s, guerrilla marketing became kind of the marketing bible and it was because he made it so simple so in the beginning people kind of teased him (laughs) saying hey this is you know this is kind of silly simple stuff but it's it's what people needed you know and um that's why it went so far so fast Mm -hmm. is because anybody anybody could just pick up that book and go okay i get it i know what to do i know how to go out and all right, this is great. Like he's, he's dumbed it down for me so much. And what experts are sometimes tempted to do is they want to wow you with their jargon and their industry, and they kind of want to show off with the big words and they want to explain some complex, you know, theory and, you know, whatever. And Jay's thing was like, just, you know, let's just be very matter of fact. Let's just find a reference point here. You know, let's just make it very simple. Oh, you understand this. Okay, so it's like this you know, and metaphors and analogies. And, you know, you can even see in my talking style, that's what I try to do, right? You run out of gas, you get a flat tire, I'm I'm talking about the body. You know, I'm trying to find reference points to, to the people that I'm talking to or the audience that's in front of me, right? So, and that's what he was so brilliant at, you know? And that's something that even Richard Branson has several quotes about too. You know, any idiot can make something complex. It's an expert, okay? They can take something complex and, and make it simple. And so if you really want to show off your expertise, if you want to get in the news and media, you want to work for the big companies, get like the big contract gig, it's not go in there and make things more complicated. It's go in there and say, you know, break it down, make it simple, you know, make it easy, you know, show, and that really shows off how well you know it. Because the better you know it, the more likely you are to be able to explain it in very simple terms, like. Can you explain this to a second grader? You know, can you make Homer Simpson understand what your genius is? Like, if you can, then, you know, you really know it well. If you can't, then you probably don't know it as well as you think you do, or you should.
1: And let's bring it back there, David. That's what, that's part of what Talent Support Services does that you're a part of, that I'm a part of. Yeah. Talk to that, because what I've heard you say and what I am comfortable and saying I've seen over and over is people coming to you saying they don't have a story or they don't have a message or they have nothing inside of them to share. You sitting down with them less than five minutes and repeatedly over and over and over, you put a smile on their face because you actually make them realize they bring value to the world where nobody else took the time to, Really dig deep enough to hear them well enough to give them a voice. And that's, talk to that, because that's really a big part of what you do, along with writing their stories, like you're doing with my book.
2: Mm -hmm. Well, um, people uh, don't always understand what other people want to hear, or what they'll identify with. For example, a lot of people approach their business with a lot of business talk. And so they'll take that business talk and they'll go out and they'll kind of do the spray and pray. It's the machine gun approach. <laughs> just kind of tell you a lot of things about a lot of things and hopefully something sticks. And so what we want to do is, you know, help them. Separate themselves from everybody else and to be more memorable. And so, a lot of times, that means kind of getting them to slow down and go, Look, you could do anything. Why are you doing this? You know, there's, you know, we had a woman, uh, you know, Connie, at our last event that you probably know. And it's like, you know, you know, she's talking all about business and you know helping businesses and what she can do for the businesses and kind of relationships and whatever. And it's like Connie, you know, wh- wh- why do you why did you get into this? What did you what did you do? Well, come to find out that um, her marriage almost failed, you know, years ago, and it was because her passion for entrepreneurship was getting in the way of her passion for her marriage, and. Um, you know, she was able to recognize that and change that and improve some things. And now, very specifically, she's not just helping business people, but she's helping business people who um, are involved in relationships with non-entrepreneurial people who are kind of the reluctant writer, you know, so to speak. And so it was like, hey, you know, maybe what you want to start off with more is, you know, um, you may not notice by looking at me, but, you know, there was a time in my marriage, scares me to death to think about, but, man, I almost lost the love of my life. And it was because, you know, my passion for business was getting away with my passion for marriage. And so now I've dedicated my life to helping people, you know, improve their relationships, save their marriages, and not only be able to work and do what they love, but be able to do what they love without risking who they love. And I, you know, I probably said a Yeah. But that's pretty good as well. I think that'll work pretty good. But you know, but now we got something. Now it's like, oh, well, that's interesting. That's intriguing. She's being vulnerable. She's telling us something personal. She, it's, it's like nothing else we hear from anybody else. And it's like, okay, I'm, I'm intrigued. I want to know more. So that personal approach, that vulnerable approach, um, you know, things that you're dedicated to, your passion project, uh, your personal life a little bit like those are the things that we want to draw people in. So we're trying to get people out of, you know, here's my business card. I'm a mortgage consultant. And into what's the personal side of that? Why are you doing that? Or, hey, you know, um, I'm a marketer. Well, you and everybody else, you know, what makes you special, right? And just, and trying to get those personal things, you know. We had another woman at the last event and she was saying, you know, oh, I, you know, I help people with hope and healing. Well, that's cool. You know, we all want hope and healing. But again, it's like, why are you helping people with hope and healing? And within a couple of minutes, I had found out that she was in a car wreck and she had a service dog, mm-hmm. and um, that service dog, you know, passed away. And uh, you know, she very specifically was helping other people that were dealing with loss of a pet, which really wasn't a pet; it was like a companion, a loved one. Yeah. And so I said, okay, well, why don't we say this instead? Instead of helping people with hope and healing, why don't you say, hey, you probably don't know this by looking at me, but it, it wasn't too many years ago I was in a car wreck. And I almost died and I came to rely on uh, what other people would know as a service dog. But to me, it wasn't a service dog, it was my best friend. And when my best friend passed away, I was more crushed and wrecked than I was in that car wreck. And so I decided to make it my life's work to help other people deal with the loss of a loved one, specifically the loss of the animal that is their companion. Mm -hmm. and that's been my mission, you know, it's like, okay, that's a whole, like, wow, we've learned about a car wreck, we learned about this, oh, you know, we say the name of the animal, and you know, how many people here have pets, oh, I have a pet, a lot of people have pets, oh, tell me about them, now we have an instant connection, yeah, so again, it's getting out of kind of that business, and like, what's the personal side, what's the intriguing part, what's the attention getting part, where's the vulnerability, you know, how are you referencing something they'll understand, where's the human connection at? And we can do that very quickly. And when people realize that, uh, Connie, Nancy, people like that are like, wow, this just feels so good. Because it's also something that feels natural to them, right? It's, it's yeah. something they're sharing. It's actually easier to talk from their heart than it is from a place of business.
1: It's what they, it's exactly, it's where we operate from, not what we do. And so, you know, what's beautiful, David, is experience this, you know, and I'm going to give a plug to our JV masterminds. You know, we got one coming up in a few weeks. I'll have you share the dates. And not only did we have, you know, 500 people register plus roughly 200 in and out over our three days. What's really good is when we bring people together to do all these joint ventures and business. We make it much more personal and the amount of business on the other side because we help people connect their business and their personal together and then you know why you're doing business with that company because you in reality know that person. Man, I, it, it's, it's crazy. It's freaking crazy, dude. Yeah,
2: it is.
1: And for you, you have this way of bringing 200 people together and giving them all these amazing tools where they kind of begin to understand how to do something just with those five questions we have or your part one and part two. And then next thing you know, they, they feel alive again. Like you said, they feel seen, they feel heard, they feel understood. And then they have the ability to share their story, which allows you to write their story, right? Because someone has to be willing to listen. So I, I talk about how we can get a hold of you, because obviously I know how to get a hold of you and what we are able to do for, for, for our listeners, you know. Yeah, the,
2: best, the best portal into my world is, is probably DavidTfagan.com. DavidTfagan.com. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff in there about publishing and publicity and, you know, it's all these cool things, events, awards, you know, articles that I've written. Um, it's just a lot of great information where if you're a speaker, you're an author, you have a need for creating content. That's a, that's a great way to kind of get into my world. Now, more specifically, probably the most valuable thing I could offer you is these joint venture events that some of us put on together. We call them top talent JV events and they're successful because it's just good people bringing good people. And they just, they just keep growing. And um, these events are events that happen over the course of three days. They're three half days. We're on zoom. You know, there's a main session where there's really quick 10, 15 minute training segments as a part of that hour, hour and a half main session. But then there we go into a mastermind session where everyone gets a chance to talk. Everyone's broken up into these, Five to seven people mastermind groups, and inside those five to seven people mastermind groups, they all go around and just get to say, you know, who they are and what they believe in and what they do and what they're about. And you know, we've got some different um, scripts that we can use. Actually, Anissa, we got something brand new coming out that you're really gonna like, and you helped contribute to it. You just haven't seen the final product yet. But, um, you know, it's just all meant so that people have permission to brag and permission to say why them and permission to, you know, be a little vulnerable and to talk about, you know, who they are and what they're doing and what their movement is really all about. And so, yeah, toptalentjv.com, you can go there and you can register and it's one of these things where it's a free event. But you have to be invited by somebody, you know. In so you just put a you just put her name in there, and uh, she would be your access. You know, through her you could get a free ticket into that three-day event where you're going to meet lots of cool people and be able to talk about who you are and what you do. And it sounds like networking, but it's really not. It's it's relationship building. We create a community. Where you're really personally connecting and collaborating and creating with people connecting collaborating and creating that that's really the goal networking to me is like you know you hand them a business card you know call me if you ever need whatever fill in the blank and that business card just kind of sits somewhere but um we create um an opportunity of a community to build relationships and to connect and to collaborate and to create together
1: and David, we not only have done it here where people like Daryl, who's been to our events in the past, you know, is, you know, generating lots of opportunity from inside that circle that we're just talking about, that mastermind circle. We have now with been requested with our success and with people really filling that connection and doing business it's now spread to not just on all say the United States but we have also had one in
2: oh Asia. no we're, oh yeah no we're like five continents yeah we're over a hundred major cities we're close to 30 40 countries now um, no it's 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 massive I mean there's thousands of people that are in the Facebook group you know part of it that are that are doing business together but yeah Asia is is a massive massive uh, you know place. And we're talking about Indonesia, yep. Malaysia, India. I mean, China, like these, this is like the fastest growing place. These places are not slowing down mm-hmm. and they're all English speaking, you know, but yeah, it's, uh, when we go over there, we kind of call it the Asia pack, which is what they call it. It's the Pacific rim. It's the Pacific coast that goes all the way down Asia and all the way down Australia. So, you know, if you go down Australia on that Pacific side, you've got the Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne, so, yeah, no, I mean, there's, these are, these are huge places. And what's really crazy, Anissa, um, that I know you know, but the people listening may not understand is when we're doing a North America event and um, you know, it's, it's our mid morning, it's in the middle of their night. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. we got people in France and in the Netherlands and you know, um, there, some of these people are literally staying up through the night, one a.m., two a.m., three a.m. You know, we have people like, oh, I apologize, uh, we we fell I fell asleep, and it's just like, oh man, you don't have to apologize. You know, that was really cool. You tried to, you know, do all that with us. But I yeah, think I mean, that's
1: what we need to celebrate. Man, sorry uh, to talk over you. No, I simply well, I, get excited. The the great celebration about that is even back, what you said with Conrad Levinson, right? about Jay is the fact that sometimes what we take as advanced, we need to put it back to the basics and not everybody just because we have something, everybody knows it. And so man, if we have the ability to really help another and we help people package their message to help another man, the beauty of this community literally since april has started from zero to now over a thousand in the facebook now it's international and the business is like bouncing off of one another because business doesn't have bounds anymore like it used to it has no bounds and thank you for taking that leap of faith and opening this community bigger
2: Well, you probably saw that I just did an interview with the uh, Los Angeles Tribune, and I I have another interview that's in the works and coming out. And um, what they're interviewing me about is how the local networking organizations are really hurting, and dare I even say dying. Mm -hmm. And what it's being replaced by is really global communities, you know, communities that are online. And the big reason for that is because people don't really want to go out and meet face-to-face anymore. There are risks, very real risks, you know, going out and meeting face-to-face. And a lot of times when you go out and meet people face-to-face, you're running into the same people if you're inside that geographical community. And so now we've got global communities that are online, and that's what's really growing. So you know um i don't want to call out these groups by name but we all know of these local types of um, organizations (laughs) that are these local chapters with weekly meetings and monthly meetings and breakfast meetings and lunch meetings and whatever you know um you've you know it's adapt or die right adapt or die unfortunately and the people that are adapting it's building the community online and so when you have the whole world <laughs> as a potential playground, when you have the whole world as a potential playground, you know you don't need very many places, right? And it
1: doesn't get any better than that. And and when, when we say the event, so the audience knows, so the people listening know, we're not talking about, we'll just say people that are um, in the beginning of their career. These are movers and shakers, disruptors. They literally have worked with Tony Robbins, written some of his books. They are creators of a craft that mother and daughter have done together in an industry that is disrupting and nobody else has done so. It's not like the people that are attending our event
2: are
1: powerful message and they're really co-collaborating.
2: Yeah, Yeah, it's a lot of walks of life and there are different degrees of success. You know, occasionally we give kind of a new person a shot. We're not trying to turn new people away, but um, the new person probably isn't gonna feel as comfortable because there is such a level of success there. I mean, yeah, these are event producers. These are show hosts. These are people that have podcasts and radio shows and TV shows. You know, we have some, you know, people that would qualify as, you know, celebrities. They've been in TV, they've been in movies. Like you could turn on Netflix right now or Hulu right now and it's like, oh, There's a movie that that guy was, Oh, wow. Look at that. You know, I know that person. So no, these are, these are some pretty successful people. These are authors. These are speakers. These are people with their own databases and followings. And, you know, these are people that um, that that do pretty well, you know, I mean, we've got everybody who's been successful on infomercials to people who have been successful in TV and movies to have been successful with, you know, thousand plus person events. You know, we've got authors that have sold millions of books. I mean, yeah, it's, you know, and you're just like one degree of separation from just about any influential person you want to know. So it, yeah, it, there's, there's a lot to be said for it. It's very exciting. Proxim-
1: Tony, Tony said it, or I heard it from Tony's event, you know, where it started, who knows proximity is power. Mm-hmm. That is what happens at our event. And you, thank you you brought that community together. We got Isabel also, your lovely, amazing, beautiful wife and, you know, my partner. But damn, David, you know how to bring a group together and edify them where they feel connected immediately from the beginning versus having to feel their way through the crowd. So thank you. That's why they show up.
2: Yeah. Yeah, well, no, thank you. Yeah, we... um. I look back and think wow you know uh, six months ago seven months ago we were getting ready to do a live event you know we all were you were part of that and um then everything happened in april you know six seven months ago whatever it was and it's like okay um what, what do we do and one of my ideas one of my thoughts was well you know maybe we just need to wait this thing out oh my goodness, that scares me to death to think that we might have just tried to wait it out. <laughs> we thought, no, we got to, you know, this is a great excuse for us to, to increase the things we're doing online. And we did a major shift and pivot and those words get almost overused these days, but that's what we did. We did a major shift and pivot and we just threw everything online and our 50 to 100 people events turned into 150 to 250 people events and turned into you know instead of 100 to 150 registrations you know it's more like 400 to 550 registrations and that's all those are all people that are in our um, database those are all people that are subscribing to the content that we create so even if they don't show up to the event or the whole event or whatever um, those are people now that we can connect with so uh, you know there's a lot of reasons to be able to change I'll say it this way Anissa rigid people are having a really bad year you know if you're a rigid person you know like you're if if you're if you're a rigid person you're really set in your ways 2020 is not your year right Mm -hmm. now if if you are an adaptive person if you're a flexible person you know if you're willing to shift and pivot and if you're willing to do things that other people aren't man this is an amazing time because there's a lot of people sitting around going no no i will not do business this way you know, I will only do it this. I will only, I will only, I will only. Th- those are words of a dying business. I will only. You know, that's... Amen. You can't You can't be doing that. You know, it, you know, even you, you're sitting here going, okay, uh, I guess I better do a podcast. Well, Anissa, that's hard and that's time consuming and that doesn't matter. I got to do it. That's the direction. That's the flow. Am I going to fight the flow? I mean, there is a time to sort of impose your will upon the world and make your presence felt. But there's also a time to kind of catch a wave and ride the wave. There's also a time to kind of, you know, not try to swim up river. You know, you know what swims up river? Salmon. You know what they do when they get to the top? They die. Okay, they die. They're so they're so beat from trying to swim upstream that by the time they get where they're where they're going, they die. You know so it's like you know there's there's it's more like okay which way is the wind blowing here which way is the rapids going which way is the wave coming in let's ride that right let's catch that and that's what you've done you know you've you've shifted you've pivoted you know i got to do a book well I better do a podcast well we better go online right
1: well and it's you said it it's it's that groundswell and then you ride the wave right you really ride the wave and to, to bring it home. That's really what it's about is, you know, every, as I shared with you when we started writing the book and I'm like, oh, I want all these series and every chapter is a different uh, age and every year, and you know, you really, uh, every day you have the ability to pivot and, and, and and here's we're all born to rise and we're all going to keep climbing up here's what I will say man I've been hiking the damn mountain don't ask me why I don't know I got to burr up my butt it's not my typical exercise must be a message there that the universe needs me to hear and here's what I've realized as hard as it is David going up the mountain you got to figure out your footing you've got to Sometimes be out of breath because you don't know when the top is going to be there for you. No matter how hard it is to go up, what I have discovered, and I've only been hiking now for two weeks, so story could change, is it's much harder. Much harder going back down. Much harder. Every single time, it's harder to find your footing. You don't know where you've been. You stumbled forward. You know, instead of fall backwards, man, it is a, and that's kind of life. And that's what I love about working with you is you're so adaptable. You're so present. The best gift you give to anyone, which is why it's so great to work with you and have you write my book and have people like our audience come and say, how do I get my message heard better? because you're such a word genius, so I want to get to your books, is, man, you care so deeply, and you give people your presence, which is the best gift ever, and you're truly a servant through and through and through. I've already said it. You lose sleep to get people's stories out there. You don't eat. Like It is so important for you. You're in the game when someone works with you,
2: yeah. so I think what you're referring to is is super success. There's success and there's super success, and that's something else I learned from one of my mentors. You know, Michael Levine, and you know, success is a lot easier than people probably think. You know, when you show up, do what you're supposed to do, you're going to be successful. I know it's crazy, but imagine that. You know, show up, take action, do what you're supposed to do. Super success is a little bit different, and one of the big parts of super success is like, you're you're somewhat obsessed. And when people start talking about super success, I think they feel like we're saying, oh, you got to be super successful. Well, no, you don't have to be. And there's a downside to super success. You know, people can burn out. I mean, there's a lot of famous people, you know, celebrities, you know, musicians, actors, where, you know, they get addicted and they, you know, they just it's it's. Super success is as much of a curse as it is a blessing and a part of super success is a certain level of obsession like it hurts on the inside like you see somebody on TV and this is going to sound crazy to some people but totally makes sense to others. You see someone getting interviewed right you see them getting interviewed on some big news program you're thinking that should be me like I know how to answer that question. Like, oh my goodness, I, I, oh, I, oh, if only I was being, oh, I got, oh, I know exactly what they need to know. I, ah like, I, I'm the person, I'm the, like, it kills you on the inside, right? And, and in that sense, yeah, you'll, you'll wake up in the middle of the night and you'll just go to work, not because you have to, just because you want to, or you'll get so wrapped up in writing and creating and shooting videos or, you know, whatever, you know, you just lose track of time. And, know there's plenty of stories you know uh beyonce is one of them you know um curtis uh 50 cent you know there's times these stories where they would go so wrapped up in the filming of something they'd literally forget to eat or they'd get so into you know the project that they're working on and it would be 2 a.m and it's like really it's 2 a.m and they they don't even realize it and so there's different components of soup being super successful right now just focus on one of them that is you're somewhat obsessed You know, I I had uh, Eva Mendez, an actress that I had the chance to kind of be around uh, a little bit here and there at some very small 20-person events and kind of talk with her. And it's interesting, you know, one of the questions I asked her is, uh, you know, when was your big break? You know, like, what do you consider your big break? And what was very clear as she went through, you know, some of these key moments is this is a woman that was obsessed. Like, she just, she just, she was going to make it at all costs, you know? And, um, you know, it's like, well, you know, was her big break when she was in a movie with Will Smith and movie Hitch? Was her big break when she was with Denzel Washington in Training Day and someone was nominated for an award, which got her into the other movie? Uh, Was her big break when she was in Children of the Corn 5? Okay, first of all, most people have probably seen Children of the Corn. (laughs) Her first film was Children of the Corn 5, right? Maybe that was her big break. Was her big break when she did a photo shoot that led to somebody seeing her picture and saying, wow, I, I, like this. I like this girl. I like her look. This look is in demand and she would be really good for whatever. And the point that I take out of that or what I drew from those things is that there's no such thing as a big break. You know, that's kind of a myth, the myth of the big break. Success comes in increments, right? Success is showing up day in and day out. You know, what if she didn't do the photo shoot? What if she didn't take a risk on some crazy small budget horror film? You know, what if she didn't put herself into, what if she didn't try out, you know, fill in the blank? And that's kind of how we have to look at it. But some people are gonna be more like, you know, I'm comfortable and I love what I do and I wanna make some money and I'm approaching this very um, uh, balanced. I'm approaching this very uh, dollars and cents. Other people look at something and they're not approaching it with any common sense at all. They're just like, get out of my way. <laughs> I don't I don't care. You know, I, I can sleep on a couch. I can learn to live on $113 a month. I can learn to live for free. I will eat it, sleep it, bleed it, work for it. Like, you're just all go. You know, there's just, and there's just story after story of the people that are truly super successful. You don't see that in successful people, but you know, the super successful, there is a certain level of obsession in them. And, um, you know, there's a downside to that, but ask yourself, you know, do you wanna be successful? Do you wanna be super successful? Do you have that obsession? Do you need to find a way to balance that out? Some people, you know, Robin Williams, he is obsessed, right? And he, he had a lot of issues and a lot of problems and um, I'm not judging him. He, He had an amazing body of work, but he was a tortured soul. Some of us that have super success, we're kind of tortured souls because it's never good enough. It's never enough. You know, there's never enough awards. There's never enough compliments. There's like, it's just, we're just never done. Like Steven Spielberg, the people that I know that know him, like, when they're done with a the movie, they're like, Steven, give us the film, man. It's done. He's like, no, no, I got one more edit. No, no, I've got, I've got one more thing to add. And it's just like, man, deadline. It's, it's over with. Give it up. But these people, like, they're just, they're so into it. And ask yourself, you know, is that something you want to cultivate? Is that something you want to uh, leverage? Is that something you want to attain? Is that something you want to, you know, try to harness? you know, super success and a certain level of obsession.
1: I, what I, reminds me because, you know, we haven't even spoken about the fact that you owned a PR firm and, you know, you've had access to so many people in Hollywood and you have seen what it takes to, as you just said, be obsessed and make it and really only do it because you want something else other than the be obsessed because it's my true calling.
2: Yeah. Well, well, yeah, I mean, um, I'll keep it short and this is a really big topic, but the short version is, you know, I do have a very obsessive type personality and I I have to be careful because, you know, people like me, when we go in, we go all in and we go deep down the rabbit hole. It's just like you, and he said like, when you <laughs> wanted to get in shape, it wasn't like, eh, I wanna get in shape. It was like, I'm putting a gym in my house. You know, I'm learning everything I can about nutrition. I think I'm gonna enter in a contest. And That's not what most people do. Most people are like, yeah, let me see if I can lose five, 10 pounds, you know? But that's kind of the way some of us are wired and we each have our own thing. Sometimes it's not fitness, sometimes it's business. For a lot of us entrepreneurs, our obsession is our business. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I've had that obsession and, you know, I've paid some heavy prices, you know, I've been through divorce, you know, um, uh, I have great relationships with my kids, but there's some of my kids that for a while, I I, I didn't have a very good relationship and it wasn't like I was gone all the time, but I wasn't consistent and I didn't show up. And sometimes I spent the night in my office. Like I literally like, it's like, okay, I'm in my Beverly Hills office. It's going to take me two hours to get home, hour and a half to get home. There's always traffic. Or, you know, my kids are almost going to be in bed in 30 minutes, or I can just stay here and keep working. I'll just spend the night and I'll get up early and I'll work more. And then I'll go home the next day. And then I'll, I'll surprise them and I'll work. I'll spend more time with them. These are the, these are the things we start to Craziness, negotiate head, right?
1: Yeah. It's the craziness we do. We are justifying right, so, our insanity.
2: Right. So one night turns into two nights and two nights turns into three nights or, yeah. you know, in our world, there's like, Fall speaker season. There was a couple times where I was gone 50 out of 60 days. And so my mentality was okay, I'm going to go work really hard right now and I'm going to make all this money, but then I'm going to take three weeks off around the holidays and do nothing but just spend time with my kids. So I had good intentions and I, I would do that. But what was the first part? I spent 50 out of 60 days on the road. Sometimes I would even bring a kid with me. Sometimes I would do all, all these things, but I did that more as rationalizing my obsession. Right. So, yeah, we don't we don't have some of those things anymore. I've, I've had to balance things out um, and, I, and I've had to create, you know, uh, warning signs and red flags for me where it's, you know, I can kind of snap back into reality like, OK, uh, maybe now I shouldn't still be working, or maybe now, you know, or like, I've done this for this long. So because I've done this for this long, what did I not do? Yeah. And um, there's a lot of myths around balance, a lot of people are trying to balance everything out in one day, you can't do that, you can balance it out a little bit more of a week or over a month. So, um, you know, knowing how to spend your time, that's a big part of the decision making matrix, you know,
1: and, and that's, you're in it. What I like, what is wonderful and fabulous with what you just said is when someone works with you, you're in it until the end. You're in it until we figure out a way where we both walk away going, wow. You know what I mean? Whether it be writing a book, whether it be getting them ready for stage, you know, whether it be getting them ready and you putting their course curriculum together, whether it be, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And you can do that because I was going to say many years ago, but you're just a youngin, younger than me, but not too young. And then my 40,
2: but yes, I guess it's all relative. Yeah.
1: Many moons ago, you said yes you said to experiencing life and playing on this playground and because you have experienced life so much ups downs and in all betweens man there's no better partner than you on my side and there's no better person I want writing my book so thank you David yeah you're welcome helping me write my book and uh, I know at the end it's just going to be a it'll give another uh, the ability to step out of their darkness and see their gifts and step into their own light so thank you thank you because yeah. guys if you guys want to have your book written if you guys well and david i know you say this but you say it better than me there's really three things that if if, the, if someone has these three things and only these three things you have the ability to take their message, fine tune it, and they can achieve abundance personally, professionally, and in so many other areas. Please share what those three things are so I don't steal your thunder.
2: Well, there's a couple different things that we reference and I like coming up with three words. You know, I, I think it's a great way to express yourself. Like if you only could choose three words, what would be the three words? So at the previous event, I was talking about connect and collaborate and create. So that's like the three words for the event. But probably the, the three words that I use the most is you know and i turn it into a question would you make more money if you were more influential would you make more money if you had more credibility would you make more money if you got more exposure? Because yeah. that's my that's my ICE acronym and it's been making people a lot of money and getting them a lot of results. And that's what we do. If you answered yes to any one of those questions, then we're a really good fit for you because that's what we do. We help you get more influence and more credibility and more exposure. And when you have influence and credibility and ex- exposure, you become somewhat of a celebrity expert. You become the authority in your industry or the icon in your industry. <laughs> And, you know, that's, that's important nowadays. You know, I, I could go and try to change the world. It probably shouldn't be important, but it is. And I, I can't change the world. And you probably can't change the world. So the game we play is influence, credibility and exposure. And, yeah. you know, we can't afford to be the world's best kept secret. And, you know, you're, some of you business owners, you're kind of living your life like you're in the witness relocation program. You know, it's like you're, you're hiding out and no one can find you. So yeah, our job is to help get you that influence and credibility and exposure.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Well, David, thank you. I am, um, I'm grateful that we work together and you pulled me out of retirement because had you not pulled me out of retirement, I would not be doing this podcast. And I know with me, my mission of having a, a billion people know who they are, love who they are, step into their greatness so we can see who they are. I owe a lot to you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank
2: that's you. that's I, lo- I love hearing That's why we do it, right? That's why yeah. people like me and you do it. Yeah. So thank you for being an action taker because that's what we love when we're helping people is people that take action that's what you do dreaming is good doing is better i'll take a doer over a dreamer any day of the week thank you anisa
1: amen a dreamer no doer yes action all in or all out right that's what this game is so until next time
0: this has been another episode of the game changing podcast with your host anisa acker if today's episode has you stirred up with a fire in your belly Take action by subscribing and sharing this episode with a friend. And in the words of Rhonda Byrne, when we open our minds to the unlimited creative power, we call forth abundance and see and experience a whole new world. Go change the game.